3: Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted. I am Tom Holland, and yes, I am a runner. I am a runner. I am someone who has run many marathons, lost count, maybe 70 plus or minus if you include Ironman races, 26 Ironman races, which... If you don't know, includes a full distance marathon within the race. I've done some ultras as well. 50 mile runs, 50K. I ran to the top of Haleakala many years ago on Maui. One of the coolest runs I've ever done. 36 miles from sea level to the top of Mount Haleakala on Maui. Race called Run to the Sun. Absolutely unbelievable experience. Sea level to 10,000 feet just over. Amazing. So... The topic today, running in your knees. Running is bad for your knees, right? That's what we hear all the time. That's what I am told when I'm at parties, when I start talking with certain people. I'm told running's bad for the, your knees, right? Wait till you're older. That's what I hear all the time. Wait till you're older. Okay, I'm 50. I started doing it. My first full marathon back uh Boston College, my dad and I ran Boston Marathon, 1991, since then, again, 70 plus or minus, not quite sure, doesn't matter, who cares, my knees are fine, my knees are fine, and if there's ever a topic for this show, people, this is the one. This is why I do this show, it's what I do every day in my job, writing, lecturing, writing the books. It's dispelling the myths. It's talking the science. Once and for all, that's what we need. That's the disruption in fitness. It's the truth. It's the science. And the guest I have for you today is going to set the record straight. Once and for all. Yes, once and for all. This is the guy. PhD level, Harvard. Need I say more? We will. We'll talk about it. But again, running is bad for your knees, right? That's what we hear. That's what we've been told since the beginning of time. Let's think of how nuts, just on the face, that whole concept is. You know what should be kind of abnormal? Swimming. <laughs> and guess what? I'm going to ask our guest about that. Yes, I do triathlons. Yes, I've, I've swimmed, swam, swum in, in bodies of water all over the world. China, South Korea, New Zealand, Malaysia, South Africa. You name it. I've, I've swimmed, swam, swum in it. Uh, that That's unnatural <laughs> that's that's unnatural we're not meant to be in the water we don't have gills, we don't have fins i've written books on triathlon. Listen, I swim, I do it it's good for me, I think no it is uh but running when people start saying, "Yeah, I swim, but don't run because running's bad for your knees, really, really uh we walk, we jog. At what speed exactly would running be bad for the knees? Because we got to move. we got to move forward. That's what we do. We, we ended up on two legs, I think, for a reason. And my guest will talk about that because that's what he studies for a living. So running being bad for the knees. I can't tell you how excited I am to have Dr. Daniel Lieberman joining us after the break. If there is ever someone who is going to set the record straight, it's him. And I think you're going to be shocked. I think you're going to be shocked at what he says. I met him a, a couple of years ago uh, at a marathon charity event or the, the charity team that I coach. We'll talk about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is the guy. This show has the best guests. That's what I look for. Celebrities, CEOs, people who are going to talk about it. And celebrities for the right reason, mind you, not. The celebrity workouts, we're not, we're not going there. Uh, people staying in shape on the road, things like that. But the best of the best. And when it comes to your knees going to suffer from running, Dr. Daniel Lieberman is the guy. He's the guy. If you have read Born to Run, I'm sure he will talk about this. I will ask him about it. If you have read Born to Run, you know where the title comes from? His study. His study years ago. So the book, Born to Run, he's uh, mentioned it numerous times, and as he should be, because they took the title, Chris McDougall took the title from him. Okay? Uh, Barefoot running, all of those things that are associated with running, this is what Dr. Lieberman studies. He goes to the source. He just got back literally two days ago. From Kenya, where he goes frequently to study the runners. He studies evolution, okay? How we evolved, what we're meant to do, the natural things. And quite often in fitness, we, 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 we avoid, ignore Occam's razor. The most simple solutions, answers, are quite often the, the correct ones. So we're going to talk about running in your knees, Am I an outlier? The the crazy thing is my story, I had every running-related issue as a kid, okay? Football, soccer, I couldn't do it because our coaches didn't know what they were doing with training. I wasn't training correctly. I was sitting on the beach in the summer. I wasn't doing, we didn't know what to do. Strength. I was lifting weights, 13, 14, got into it then. But as far as lower body stuff, shoes, all that stuff, we had no idea. So I sat on the bench. I sat on the bench with shin splints, with ankle issues, pain, my entire childhood. So to think that today I do what I do, I run as far as I do, totally injury-free. And guess what? I know some of you are, th- are probably thinking, well, just wait, Tom. Again, wait till you get older. <laughs> I'm 50 now. Okay, I heard that at 20. I heard it at 30. I heard it at 40. Still hearing a little bit at 50. At what age do, do we say, okay, maybe not? And guess what? Arthritis is a progressive thing. It's not something that all of a sudden you come down with. So we would see it. I do the things to help keep me injury free, the strength training, the stretching, the topics we talk about I talk about on this show that keep you healthy. And we'll talk about it. if you have an injury totally different, totally different ball game when it comes to the knees and I'm sure Dr. Lieberman will talk about that as well. Okay? But this is what this show is all about disrupting fitness, giving you the truth from the people who know what they're talking about. And there's two types of people there's the people who do it, and then the people who study it. Ideally, let's get both. So I studied it, and I do it. Dr. Lieberman studies it more than I. I wish I could have studied under him. Holy cow didn't go to Harvard. I went to Boston college. I have three brothers who went there though. And uh, they didn't study with him. They should have. But that's where we get the answers. We take the science. We take the real world. You know, Dr. Lieberman has done, he's 20 plus marathons at at this point himself. It doesn't look like a runner, not what you would think, uh, nor do I uh, when you see me. And He's, he's, he's walking the walk and he's running the run. He's doing it barefoot. Sometimes we'll talk about that. Everything is on a pendulum today. It's all or nothing. It's run barefoot or, or, or don't. How about you mix it up? You run long distance or you do high intensity interval training. One makes you skinny and no, 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 no. So couldn't be more excited. Sit back. Whatever you thought about, not only running in your knees, by the way, running being bad for your knees, but just movement in general, the causes of osteoarthritis, it's the opposite of what you think. It's the opposite. Don't believe me. That's okay. That's okay. Believe Dr. Lieberman and then believe me. All right. So sit back. When we come back from this short break, coming up, friend of mine, one of the smartest people I know when it comes to the science of running from an evolutionary standpoint and going forward, he's still studying it and we're going to talk to him. So Dr. Daniel Lieberman from Harvard University coming up right after this short break. Could not be more excited to have Dr. Daniel Lieberman on the program. If you've read anything about running, if you're into running, if you're especially into barefoot running in that whole debate, you know who Dr. Lieberman is. If you've read Born to Run, uh, I met him years ago. Could not be more excited to talk about that myth, that myth about running being bad for you before We talk about that. Just want to tell you who he is in case you don't know, which uh, would surprise me. Dr. Lieberman is a professor of biological sciences at Harvard University. He is also a professor of human evolutionary biology. Uh, He teaches and studies how and why the human body looks and functions the way it does. He is now focused on the evolution of human physical activity, how evolutionary approaches to activities such as walking and running uh, and the changes to our body's environments, such as wearing shoes shoes or not, and being physically inactive can help better prevent and treat musculoskeletal diseases. So he knows what he's talking about. Uh, Dr. Lieberman, thank you so much for being on the show. I know you've got books and you've got books coming out and we're going to have you back on because we talked earlier about that topic and I love it. It's exactly what, what I talk about here. So you're a runner. We met uh, at Marathon uh, years ago and you have continued. So... <laughs> let's just cut right to the chase. Dr. Lehman, you're at a party and you tell someone you've done 22, 23 marathons, you're getting ready to do your next Boston. And inevitably that person might say to you, oh my gosh, running is bad for your knees. Wait till you're older. What do you say?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad thing is I've heard that many times, as probably most runners have. And it's uh, I think it's a perfect example of, um, of a kind of myth that uh, are propagated about, uh, about exercise and running. Um, the sad fact of the matter is I've heard that from doctors who ought to know better because there are maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 randomized control studies, careful studies, prospective studies, which show that runners are not, not only no more at risk of, of ruining their knees than, than, um, than non-runners, actually they're probably slightly less at risk. It's just a myth. And, um, and sadly, there are a lot of myths about running, not to mention physical activity.
3: Isn't that crazy? And, and I'm going to say it again. <laughs> so there are studies. We are, we're not just saying that. Longitudinal studies, right? And I think what you're alluding to is the studies that say not only do runners not have a higher incidence of osteoarthritis, they might and do, many of them, have a lower incidence. And the number one reason, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is runners just weigh less. They're carrying around less weight.
5: Well, we, don't, we actually don't know why that's the case. One of the okay. we actually just published a paper. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, and and we're doing a lot of research on the evolution of osteoarthritis in our in our in my lab. And um for example, it, it may surprise you, um, but you know, if you're a 70 year old with a particular body mass and a particular you know age and a particular you know particular sex and etc., you are twice as likely to have arthritis in the knees as if you've been born two generations ago today. And that's after factor for weight and everything else. So um so. Something has happened, you know, you can't explain that with genes, right? There's no gene that has spread through the human population in the last two generations, double people's chances of getting arthritis. It's something about our environment, and one of the likely culprits is physical activity because, um, and, and as you think, as you realize, of course, people become less physically active now than they were two generations ago. And so people think of arthritis as a wear and tear disease. That's completely wrong. It's actually using your, you know, running and walking and loading your, your joints actually promotes health of the joints um, and helps uh, prevent uh, um, the kind of inf- inflammatory diseases like arthritis that um, that us away. So so it's, it's we've got it, 180 degrees wrong. Um, and um, but it's, <laughs> it's um but it's common in the medical world uh, to hear that. Um, um, uh, I love it.
3: Yeah, and you just you just hit on two things, Dr. Lieberman, which makes me so profoundly happy. Not only is running, you know, not bad for our knees, you know, listen, if you have injuries and things like that, different story, but just from a basic uh, standpoint, right? Not that we talk basic here, but, and now you're saying, and I, and I, you know, that osteoarthritis, can you say it one more time just so people understand that? It's not about the loading. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean,
5: the, the common misconception about arthritis is a wear and tear disease. If you use your car too much, right, you wear out the car, you know, very, Components of the car, and you have to replace them, and and we've analogized that to the body, and we think that you know the more you use your limbs, you the more you sort of you know you know wear them out, um, and that's just not true. It turns out that physical one of the reasons that exercise is so healthy is that it, it activates repair and maintenance mechanisms that otherwise don't get turned on in the body. So and it and that's you know people used to think that cartilage in your joints, which is what wears away. Uh, when it wears away, that's what causes arthritis. People used to think that it was sort of set when you were young, and and basically you sort of lose it as you as you get older. But that turns out not to be true. The act of loading your joints actually promotes repair mechanisms within the cartilage that helps maintain its health. So people who don't exercise and don't run are actually more at risk. Uh, the the one exception to that is is trauma. So if you if you if you, right. if, you, if, you, if, you if you get a skiing injury or you know or an ACL break from some other reason, like, um, uh, you know, car accident or who knows what, uh, you are vastly increased, maybe by eightfold, fold your, your, your likelihood of arthritis in that joint, but that's trauma, right? That's, 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 that's a different issue. Um, but from just normal old use of the limb, uh, it's quite the reverse, and that's but that's true for pretty much every system of the body. I mean, we know that's true for for heart disease and you know cardiovascular function. It's true for the immune system. It's true for your brain. Physical activity uh, is the is by far the most uh, the best thing you can do to prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, the list is is so long, we could probably spend the next thirty minutes just talking about <laughs> that and and bore everybody to tears. But but the but the reason for that is that our bodies don't activate repair and maintenance mechanisms unless you stress the body. And, and the, the, the stress that we evolved uh, to that, that activates those mechanisms is physical activity.
3: I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I love that you said, because it's so confusing for people because I've heard it as, you know, a fitness person back when I was a trainer and then, you know, got into writing the books and doing the videos and things like that. They would say, my doctor said, don't do this. And you just go, wow, that's, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. So I know you're working on a book to help dispel those myths as well. well. Do
5: you know what the what the, what the leading causes of death in the United States are? So, so number one is heart, heart disease. Heart disease. Right. Number two is cancer. Right. But according to a recent study in the British Medical Journal, <laughs> it was not uncoincidentally published in the British Medical Journal, but the third <laughs> leading cause of death in the United States is medical mistakes. Is that right? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, paper by <laughs> I knew the a heart disease. Martin McCarry, M A K A R Y. It's an interesting paper. Oh, geez. Now, you know, whether it's number three or number four or number five, it doesn't really matter. The point is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not denigrating medicine. You know, the <laughs> brush. There are lots of wonderful Thanks. doctors who do help people, but 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 medicine is an imperfect science, and and lots of mistakes are made, and lots of doctors are trained poorly, and they're and they don't know what's going on. But there, very few doctors are taught how to say I don't know, um, and um, and the result is that oh, a lot of mistakes are made.
3: You just gave me the greatest fodder <laughs> for my next argument. I love it. Uh, that's, and that's, listen, we go by science, right? And science, we always have to take the science and, and the studies and the real world and what can people actually do. And I love, you just, you just said uh, when we talked earlier, you got back from another, you're in the Rift Valley, I assume, studying, uh, running and, and things like that.
5: Well, we were um, above the Rift Valley, but we were on the other okay. side of the Rift Valley. But we were in uh, Highland West in Kenya, where I've been, my, my group and I have been working for the last 10 years studying yeah. uh, running and, but also other, other aspects of physical activity.
3: W- where can I get, do you have a vacation where we can pay
1: <laughs> to,
5: to oh be a gosh. part of what I, I, I would not call this a vacation. I mean, the area where we're working, <laughs> there's no running water, there's no electricity, there's no roads really, there's no mattresses i would pay no a chair. lot of
3: money for that though it's uh, it's, uh, it's
5: pretty uh it's pretty uh it's pretty rough work actually and um <laughs> when we finally make it down to the to the city of eldorette and get a first hot shower my students are are are, um, you know, I, 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 I was worried I might mutiny.
3: Um, uh. <laughs> They're getting credit, though, right? They have to do what you say. That's the, that's the best part yeah, of it, no, no, right? I have to do what they
5: say. <laughs> I got very slutty.
3: <laughs> but I love that. One of the greatest books uh, among many, uh, Running uh, with the Kenyans, you know, and that great story about how he lived and all those great things he learned from them, barefoot running and, and all of that stuff. And, and why don't we, while we're, we're talking about running and let's just talk about the barefoot running and, and your, uh, again, we need six hours to talk about it, but your quick takeaway from that as far as, cause there's, you know, so many misconceptions about that.
5: Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I'm an evolution biologist, and I'm interested in how we evolved to run and what, 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 you know, how, how our bodies function when we run. And so, um, so I, I published a paper with a guy named Dennis Bramble in 2004 um that was in the journal Nature entitled yes. Born to Run, um, which led to, you know, all this crazy stuff, including um this journalist named Chris McDougall who showed <laughs> right. up in my lab not too long <laughs> ra- thereafter and um and uh, and wrote the popular book, Born to Run, which by the way I actually never mentioned that we published a paper titled Born to Run. But anyway <laughs> we, 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 we stole it from Bruce Springsteen anyway. But um <laughs> right. but anyway, um but um in the you know, it, it turned into a kind of a craze. Um, I, I enjoy barefoot running. I think we can learn a lot from running barefoot because obviously for millions of years, our ancestors ran barefoot, and you don't need shoes to run, and you can learn a lot about running from studying barefoot running, but it turned, like a lot of other things, into kind of a, a fad, um, and um, and a lot of, you know, people, despite my efforts, a lot of... Um, uh, uh, you know, a lot of mythologizing kind of happened both on both sides of the story. So, on, on the one hand, there were, there were barefoot running enthusiasts who, who kind of drank the Kool Aid and thought that if you took off your shoes and, <laughs> right. and, and, and ran barefoot, you know, it would solve all of your problems and you'd never get injured and, and, uh, you know, your girls would like you more and your teeth would be whiter and God knows what. Um, <laughs> right. but at the same time, there were all a bunch of people who, who were also fanatically opposed to barefoot running and, and sort of, you know, made it seem as if it was a kind of counterculture kind of hippie thing and everybody did it was like a probably a polygamist and, and you know, who knows what. But um um and, and of course the truth is much more complicated and, and, and sure. And, and and really I think what, what what the the key story is that uh, you don't need shoes to run. Um and shoes change the way you run and and it turns out there are better and worse ways to run and I still believe very firmly and I think the data have supported it that that a barefoot running style uh, for the most part is a, is a, is a better way to run. It's way that all the world's best runners run that way. You don't have to be barefoot to run that way, but when you wear a cushioned high heeled shoe, it does change the way you run and that can have adverse effects. But there, but that said, there are millions and millions of people who wear conventional shoes and they do just fine. Uh, so it's not like a death sentence to wear shoes, nor is it a, a magic bullet to, to go barefoot it's it's as with all things it's much more complicated and, and people try to turn you know complicated stories into simple um, factoids and and we all run into trouble and that's, uh, that's sadly very emblematic of of, <laughs> of <patriotic, laughs> everything in right. general
3: right right well we, we as americans ruin it right so we just take it and we run with it and and it's exclusive i remember dr Lieberman being in an ironman race and hearing a strange foot strike next to me and looking and the guy was wearing vibrams and you know it was a hot day and it was uh, paved roads and and he was suffering and, and i don't think just because of the distance and the heat uh, and and my takeaway from all of that was uh, that the they grow up running barefoot their feet get strong so you don't you don't switch to barefoot running when you're 40 50 years old and you've been wearing supportive shoes shoes all at the same time right like anything else exactly. I, yeah.
5: I, right yeah. i yeah, personally exactly. own
3: vibram I, <laughs> right do it sometimes
5: uh, yeah i call it born to run syndrome somebody who like reads, reads that book and thinks oh my gosh i you know throws away their shoes and then gets injured because because you know if you you have to adapt um you can't just right. suddenly do that um but on the other hand you know I, i've been to iron man a few times and um you know a few years ago i went and everybody was wearing wearing newton shoes and now they're all wearing hokas <laughs> Um, but next time I go back, they'll all be wearing something completely different. The the, the, the fads are extraordinary, and everybody's—they're always people are always kind of looking for some product that they can buy that will, you know, yes. somehow magically make them better. But you know, I think we should, we need to step back from the commercialization of all this and realize that yes. it's really about how you use your body, and and all this stuff that people buy, most of it is just gimmicks, and um, and right. really, it's how you use your body, and uh, that that matters. And some of these products can help, but most of them probably don't.
3: Right. I always say that what's the best bike or what's the best pair of shoes, and it's the ones the pros are, you know, sponsored by. <laughs> that's
5: that's exactly. the ones they use. <laughs> well, I, I want to do an experiment. Um, I, I actually tried to convince them. Uh, I talked about this once with an editor at Runner's World, but I wanted to get Runner's World to write an article suggesting that, you know, it was saying that there was you know a fake science article, that, you know, there was a research oh. that, you know, people who wore red shirts were faster. Oh. And, then, and then track the sales of red versus non-red shirts and running stores throughout the country. And I'll make a bet it would have a significant effect on sales, even though it's complete <laughs> malarkey.
3: Was that Amby Burfoot? He didn't run with that? Yeah, it
5: was actually a conversation with Amby. We, we had a good laugh, uh, but he didn't think his editors would let him do that. Do you know,
3: I thought the same thing years ago when I was teaching group fitness, I thought, you know, I could just go in front of the class and do the most goofy routine, you know, counter to what was probably right to do, correct to do. And and they would follow it, right? And and that's one of the problems with fitness. And my gosh, if you get triathletes, Dr. Liebman, to follow a product, forget about it. <laughs> you, yeah. you just have to charge five hundred dollars for that red shirt. That's the secret. You know, make sure it's not too cheap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's got to no, no, be expensive.
5: That's, that's cheap for triathletes. <laughs> I
3: know, but that I love that. Gosh, we could we could talk for hours because yeah, the barefoot. You know, I took a picture, Lee, uh, Dr. Liebman, recently of, of my shoes, and I've got the Vibrams, I've got the um, I've got the minimalist shoes. I've got the more supportive and I rotate them depending on the workout I'm doing and I'm trying to build up my strength, but I know that again, I'm now 50. I didn't grow up running barefoot. So I got to build up slowly, but that's not what we do in fitness. It's always the extreme.
5: Yep. Yeah, well, that's a sad, 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 but true fact.
3: Yeah. So uh, I love it. So we, we have learned, <laughs> we, we've already dispelled three myths in about uh, 15 minutes, which is, is truly amazing. What are you working on now? Um, specifically?
5: Uh, well, um, in the lab, we're, we're doing a lot of work now on, um, on really everything from the head to the foot. So we're doing, we're still doing research on, on foot strength and foot function and how shoes affect how the foot works. Um, we've actually figured out a way to measure how, uh, in vivo the, the elastic energy storage that occurs in a human foot, um, which is pretty cool. We're also, um, we, we just published a paper on calluses and how calluses function, showing that uh, having thicker calluses don't actually affect sensory feedback. Uh, So unlike a shoe, which trades off protection for for sensory, you know, when a shoe protects your foot, but you lose information about what's happening on the ground, the calluses, thick calluses don't do that actually. So people who have very thick calluses uh, can feel just as much under their their foot as somebody who has thin calluses. Um, We're working on on inflammation and how physical activity lowers inflammation. We're working on on, um, how physical activity affects bone strength and, may help prevent osteoporosis. We're doing a lot of work on osteoarthritis. Um, we're looking at how people carry stuff. We're, we're basically looking at the transition, how how the way in which our bodies transitioned from the lifestyle we lived you know, many generations ago where we didn't have machines to do all our work for us and didn't sit in chairs and you know didn't have shopping carts and all that to, to the modern sort of post-industrial world where we sit in chairs and wear shoes. We're trying to understand how that affects our bodies in ways both good and bad. But without kind of fetishizing the past, because unlike some folks, I don't think chairs are out to kill us. And, that, you know, um, uh, you know if, you, if you go to a camp of hunter-gatherers, they're, they're also <laughs> sitting most of the time, too. Uh, so, we, we, again, we've, we, we have some very sort of, you know, again, in our effort to try to find simple answers to complex questions, we oversimplify.
3: Yes, yes, and and it's just extremes. It's one end of the pendulum or the other, and that's the huge problem. Uh, and before I forget, you you set me up perfectly to throw my father under the bus uh, with the calluses. He said that one uh, year my mother got him to d- get his first pedicure, and he couldn't run for weeks.
5: <laughs> they got rid of <laughs> they got rid of all his calluses. That's so, right. <laughs> <laughs> they could benefit you, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's abnormal not to have calluses. Um, we think of them as sort of these you know, ugly, nasty things that you want to get rid of. But until recently, uh nobody had feet without calluses. They were they were, unless they were in you know, serious pain. I, I I remember a few years ago I was running, um it was a beautiful summer day and I was running uh barefoot actually to Cambridge and a and a woman uh, who was walking her dogs said to me, You're a barefoot and as I went by her without <laughs> thinking, I I don't know, my brain just Kind of clicked, and I said as I whizzed by her, I said, "Your dogs are barefoot," and um, <laughs> and the look on her face, like, "Oh my gosh, my dogs are barefoot!" You know, and but, you know, for some reason, it's okay for dogs, but not humans. Um, <laughs>
3: right, right. What what's more abnormal, right, is to throw on the
5: <laughs> and the areas yeah. that I work in. You know, I mean, much of the world is still barefoot. I mean, I just came from a region in Kenya where most of the people are barefoot. And they, I'll be honest; their feet are much nicer than the folks in town who are wearing shoes. Um, <laughs> uh, they don't have fungal diseases. They don't have, um, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, sh- sh- shoes. I mean, I'm I'm wearing sandals right now, but right. shoes have um, shoes have um, costs, but they also have benefits, and 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 it's like everything. There's there's trade-offs to everything, and shoes are no exception.
3: Right, right, oh, I love it. I love it. What a great that woman must have been completely <laughs> completely taken aback, uh, because yeah, it's it's you know it's 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 about the extremes as we've been talking about, and I love the work you do. I'm so sad that I couldn't have studied under you because, oh my gosh, it is just you know, to study. It, the way we evolved. And, and that's, you know, the the nature behind what we should be doing in the abnormal uh, ways we are living now. And I love what you said about chairs. You know, when I started, it was like, oh, sit on a stability ball. And then it was get the standing desk. And then it was, actually, it doesn't matter if you're standing all day, you, you got to get up and down, right? You got to squat, you got to. So, you know, we're constantly, as you're saying, trying to simplify um, when the answers are simple, but not in the ways we—not uh, simple, but uh, we oversimplify when and make them more difficult when they're not.
5: Yeah, and also I think I mean, for example, standing desks another example, right? Uh, of, of how we um, you know run into trouble. I mean, there's nothing wrong with standing desks. I mean, I have sure. a standing desk too, and I enjoy using it. But let's not pretend that standing desks are exercise. Right, right. And that and that and that and that standing at a desk is is a way that you're going to. You know effectively lose weight, etc. I mean, there may be some benefits to standing desk, but they're not going to be like a magic bullet that's going to solve all your problems. Right. And um, um, and nor is the chair that I'm currently sitting on going to cause a litany of problems as well. I mean, we we uh, one of the one of the things I've gotten very interested in is is um, is the history of chairs. And um, you know, the the modern backed chair really didn't become common until the Industrial Revolution. And uh, it was only then that people started worrying about people's p- posture. And, and, and uh, actually, it was a German orthopedist named, named Staffel who came up with the idea that when you sit in a chair, you should have the same posture as when you stand. And so I started studying that and looking at the literature. It turned out there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever <laughs> to support that contention. Um, um, none. Zero. Zilch, and it's not for lack of studying. And yet most people think that when you s- sit in a chair, you should have that upright posture. Uh, You shouldn't slouch, but actually, um, that's just not, there's
3: no scientific evidence about that. Um, And I'm sitting at my standing desk right now, so, (laughs) but I just don't spend too much time here. That's the secret, right, is when I uh, was working on my most recent book, and I've never felt worse in my life because I sat for longer periods of time than I ever had. And my oversimplification is, I, you know, the, the, the less I move, Dr. Lieberman, the, the worse I feel. And the more active I've become in my later years, to me, that's the body saying you got to move, right? That I'm more uncomfortable. My young son, you know, the kids always uh, have the answers. He said, Dad, why are you more sore after a long plane ride than you are after a marathon? uh, to me, yep. you know, it's kind of just the, the body telling us to move in, in a very oversimplified well,
5: way. I'm actually more sorry after American, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, but, but, um, the other thing of course is that, um, you know, we have this odd notion, um, that somehow as you get older, you, you, you don't have to move as much. And, and it's actually quite the reverse. Um, that, uh, as we get, the older you get, the more movement becomes important. Um, And that's another message that I don't think gets adequately conveyed.
3: I love it. I love it. All right. We have to, we have to put aside a a longer chunk of time. And uh, so let's do the takeaways here. Running, not bad for the knees. Actually not moving is one of the worst things we can do for our bodies. Uh, And as you just said, even as we get older, which should make sense to people. Why, why are we just looking for the excuse not to, I guess, I guess that's part of it, right?
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, just I mean, human let's nature. be honest. I mean, running is, I mean, it's, although it's fun. I mean, those of us who, who love to run, um, um still have to force ourselves. I yes. mean, when I, when I, I went for a run this morning, um, and frankly, I didn't really want to go. I'm, I'm glad I went. Um, but a lot of the times the way I forget myself to run is that I, I, you know, I have a running buddy and, or I sign up for a marathon and then I have to train or, right. or, uh, right. I don't want to be humiliated on race day. <laughs> right. But, um, but, um, but I do it because I know that, I've never come back from a run having regretted it that's it. Um, that's it. and i and I know that the that the benefits outweigh the cost but but I struggle to exercise just as much as people who don't exercise It's just that I've found ways to coerce myself, and that's true of almost everybody who exercises sure. and and that's because it's not a very normal behavior and for millions of years, nobody went, went to a run pointless five mile run in the morning, <laughs> so the idea that we are born to run. <laughs> I, it's true. I mean, we, we are evolved to run, but nobody, I mean, if you read Chris McDougall's book, you get the sense that, you know, tomorrow I wake up in the morning and they just kind of you know, stretch their arms out and <laughs> right. like I'm going to go for a 50-mile run today. Right. That's complete BS. It's just not true. Right. Nobody there right. that runs. In fact, the, one of the things that that book fails to mention is that the main reason that they run is that it's a form of prayer. Yes. Yeah, it's spiritual. Yes. and the book makes no mention whatsoever of that. Yes, um, it's a it's a it's a religious act. It's a it's a spiritual act, and um, and we need reasons to run um, um, apart from the fact that it's just simply good for us. Um, and and it's hard to motivate yourself. And so let's not pretend that that w- even though we are we we have all kinds of features in our bodies that we evolved that make us good at running. We never evolved to do it for no reason at all, and right. and, and people shouldn't feel bad about it. Um, they, we, we need to help each other become physically active, and shaming and blaming or making us feel abnormal is is uh, is uh, is another really uh, just a horrible aspect of modern. The modern approach to, to exercise that we need to
3: erase. Right, right. It's the extremes, back to the extremes, and, and not looking at the science and looking what we were, you know, uh, made, born, evolved to do. And, and I love that. And I keep saying, Dr. Lee as I get older. I, you know, I used to exercise and do all that stuff for vanity. Now it's for sanity. And it is my prayer, it's my meditation, you know. But like you said, it's hard. It's hard to get out the door. The first couple miles stinks for everybody. I don't care how long. And I would argue the longer you run, the more you become a runner, it used to take me ten, twenty minutes to warm up. Now it takes like forty, fifty, and I think that's one of the reasons we run longer as we as we get more acclimated to it. But I, I totally agree. Before I let you go, though, because I do do triathlons, but uh, I, we're born to run. But let's just talk about we're not born to swim. <laughs> that's what
5: people say, <laughs> right? Let's just. No, I need I'm you afraid. on record. <laughs> I'm afraid that um, I'm afraid. You know, if you, I, I was just. A, I took one day off on this trip, and we went to a. a uh, you know, on a short—I took my students on a short little safari, and and you know, there's a there's a, a lake we went to, and I can tell you, one of the fastest ways to commit suicide would be to jump in that lake <laughs> and let the crocodiles eat <laughs> right. you. Um, uh, it's a uh, uh, swimming uh, for most of human evolution was a very dangerous prospect. And, uh
4: <laughs>
3: good.
5: And uh, and we're able to do it, but but just think about it this way: when Michael Phelps, right, is like setting a world record in a pool, yes, right, swimming faster than most of us can imagine, right? right? right. Um, you can actually, you don't have to even break into a run as you're walking alongside the pool or keeping pace with him. Right. Um, and he's spending some ungodly amount of energy to swim <laughs> the length of that pool. Right, 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 right. Uh, we, we are, we, you know, he may be a great swimmer, but compared to a seal or an otter or any kind of animal that really did evolve Thank to swim, you. he sucks. He's <laughs> terrible. He's dreadful. Um, and um, uh, so we, we can do it, but we're not very really good at it. And then obviously... Bicycling again is not a, you know, uh, not non-obviously <laughs> a an invention. So that's why I, 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 I'm comfortable in, yes. in in just running and not doing triathlon. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a very terrible swimmer and. I'm actually scared by the speed on bikes.
3: So, uh, and both, I, I, I agree. I'm
5: just happy to stick to running.
3: <laughs> and I only do it for the cross training, so I don't get injured, right? But I, I'm so glad I have you on record because I would say to people when I wrote my books on triathlon, and they'd say that they were scared to swim, you know, that they get nervous. I said, "That's that's good. That's your body. You're not supposed to be in the water. That's a, the fight or oh, flight response weird. is
5: natural, right?" That's where most of the most of the serious yes. bad things that happen in triathlons is in the swimming event. Absolutely, You're at, yeah. I
3: think like 25 out of the 28 or 30 uh, deaths. You're absolutely right. We're we're in the swim. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I have you. So I don't have to swim that much. I'm just going to focus on the running, the thing I, I I most enjoy out of those three disciplines. Um, thank you so much, Doctor Lieberman. And uh, when is the new book coming out?
5: Well, I'm just trying to
3: finish it, so probably in about a year. Awesome, Um, awesome. Well, we have to have you back. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, Are you running Boston this year? Is that the the rumor? I am. It'll be my 10th in a row. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I hope to see you there. I got to do some running and requalify, and uh, it's getting a little more difficult as (laughs) as I get older, right, even though they slow it down, but uh, hopefully I'll I'll be there with
5: you. Well, I always say that the best thing about getting older, it gets a little easier to qualify for Boston. A little
3: easier, right? (laughs) But the fast guys still age up with us. That's the problem. (laughs) You know, the field (laughs) field gets smaller. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, look forward to having you back on. And
5: good luck with your book, too.
3: Thanks so much. Great speaking with you. Have a great day. All right. You
5: too. Bye-bye.
3: And we are back. You know how I know I am in the right job, in the right career, is that I get so excited to talk to guys like Dr. Daniel Lieberman. That was amazing. And if that doesn't disrupt (laughs) some of your fitness beliefs, holy cow, how amazing. Running bad for your knees? No. Dozens of studies that show otherwise. And, and the osteoarthritis thing. How many times have I heard people use that analogy about a car, right? Oh, your body's like a car. It's only got a certain number of miles in it. And, and the more you use it, the quicker it will break down. No, not true. The fact that Dr. Lieberman said 180 degrees with so many of these topics in diet and exercise, that's exactly what I believe in. why we're disrupting this fitness. There's so much bad information out there. Running is not bad for your knees. We were born to run. As he said, if you have an injury, it's a different story. Does it mean you can't run? Absolutely not. I spent the better part of my life when I was a coach and a trainer, training people to be able to run. And actually that running for me back when I was coaching and training clients, that was the greatest test for me to figure out what my client's weak links were. So they would either tell me where the pain was when they would run, or we would go for a run and figure it out. So if they said, you know, after a run, my back hurts or my knee hurts, the outside of my knee hurts, bottom of my foot hurts. It's the greatest test to figure out what your weak links are. And that's, what's always driven me crazy, driven me nuts about doctors telling then just don't do it. Instead of saying, why figuring out the etiology, the cause of the reason, the reason why you can't run, you say, don't do it. That's nuts. That's not pushing health. You have an issue. You got to deal with it. And does that mean we were all born to run a marathon? Absolutely not. Born to run half a marathon? No. But if you can, you should. I don't care how old you are. I can't tell you how great it is to have someone like Dr. Lieberman give you that information. It's so powerful. And it's, exciting, and it should get you excited. And if you have issues, as so many people do, they're fixable. You have control. But you got to be smart about it. You got to be consistent. And you got to give it time. Smart, consistent, and time. There's three things that just don't exist in, in, in almost everything pushed forth in the fitness world and diet world. Smart, mm. you mean we got to use science? consistent and and time, small changes over time, but we were born to run, be excited for what you just heard from Dr. Lieberman. If you have arthritis, so many people, I love, you know, I just turned 50 and friends and people will say, went to the doctor and they're maybe 50, 55, 60, and they'll say, oh, you know, I have some arthritis. Really? Well, that's normal, (laughs) you know, but As Dr. Lieberman said, exercise will help that, not speed it up. We were born to move. Our joints, our tissues get their nourishment, become healthier when they move through their full range of motion consistently. That's awesome. I love talking to guys like Dr. Lieberman. I love putting the record straight. So there you go. Now you know. And if you're a runner, get excited. And if you're not a runner, but weren't doing it because you thought it was bad for your knees, get started if you want. Do that 5K race. If weight loss is your goal, there's no better way to burn some calories than running. It's one reason most uh, people who don't do it, don't do it. It's because it's hard, but it's hard because it burns a lot of calories. So the easier exercise is, generally speaking, the fewer calories it burns. So if, if your goal is to burn calories, if you can, then you run. But as Dr. Lieberman and I talked about, there's so much more to it. I run for my head. I run to explore. I run to enjoy uh, the environment when I travel to see the world. I run because I can. And I never forget that, lose sight of the fact that I'm healthy enough to do it. And as Dr. Lieberman said, most runners have a love-hate relationship with it. But he said it perfectly. You never finish a run feeling worse than you did when you started. And anyone who's run for any amount of time knows that the longer you run, as in time-wise, as in years, the more you realize that. So when I'm not feeling good mentally, I go out for a run. It is one of the most powerful ways to combat depression and so many other things. So thank you so much for listening to Fitness Disrupted. I am Tom Holland. You can listen to the show at Apple Podcasts, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please do me a favor, follow the show so you don't miss one. And I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you think, what you want me to talk about, anything and everything. Please leave a review of the show. Tell me what you think of it and anything you want to, uh, to hear about. Let me know. Leave it in the comments. So absolutely weight loss, so many people's goals. It's going to help in an incredible way. But just like exercise gives you so much more as a whole than just pure weight loss, So does running. So there you have it. Dr. Daniel Lieberman from Harvard, busting that myth once and for all. Is running bad for your knees? I don't think so. And he doesn't either. I am Tom Holland. This is Fitness Disrupted. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves.